Hi guys, I'm Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to another episode of a Tap on the Wrist podcast. Episode 106, aka episode 2 and season 5. Yes. <laughs> so episode 106, today it's going to be a whole new country that we're going to talk about. Yep, we are going to go visit Sri Lanka. I wish we were going to <laughs> Sri Lanka. But we're actually <laughs> sitting in Astoria. Yeah. But. <laughs> we're not going to visit Sri Lanka, but we are going to tell you about some really great things in Sri Lanka. Remember, in season five, every week is a different country as we travel around the world this season, trying yeah. to get to know some new places, some new drinks, some new history. Mm-hmm. And we hope you are enjoying the journey, too. Yeah. And uh, as I'm pretty sure we said last week, we're asking different friends of ours for a country suggestion every week. Uh, this week was Mike, so shout out to him. Yes. Um, but we would also love to get suggestions from you guys. So if you want to shoot us an email, you can email us at tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us a DM or leave us a comment on Instagram or Twitter. We are at a tap on the wrist. Yep. And like like I said, we would just love to get some suggestions from you guys as well. Um, I feel like we could keep going for so long with this concept because like, we could even revisit places where I we know. didn't tell people. But uh, we'll see. Yeah. And while we're not traveling to Sri Lanka in real life yes. this week, we are traveling. Yes, we are. Which is so exciting because I feel like we've been talking about this for like for two years. Time. Yeah. We're going to Chicago. Whoa. We're going for my birthday weekend. Um, and we have been talking about going to Chicago since season two when we did the Al Capone uh, Chicago outfit season. And it's finally happening. Yes, I'm so excited. I am just like excited to get out of the city for a weekend that doesn't have like something kind of tied to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we did just travel to, to Crime Con, which is great, but we were so busy yeah. doing like a particular thing. So I'm excited to just go and explore. We're definitely doing some Capone-related yes. things. I've already booked us a crime tour. Very excited about that. Yes. I also find it funny that we started talking about Capone and Chicago, and I don't know if you guys could hear it, but there was a siren, like a police siren outside. <laughs> I was like, how appropriate. <laughs> uh, and we have a couple great like bars that we're going to. Yeah. So we might just like have a little update section. I know we're not doing bar of the week, but we want to share our trip to Chicago with you guys. I feel like we've been talking about mm-hmm. going. We'll probably take some pictures. So I know we've already plugged our social media, but this week should be a pretty good pretty good update on social media. We'll probably be posting Chicago stuff. Yeah. And celebrating Vanessa's birthday and who knows what we're going to see and learn. Yes. Uh, we have not, however, had the caparina. Is that the drink? Yes. Which we said we were, we, last week. I'm pretty sure we said, like, by next week we'll have tried it. We're trying it tonight. Literally tonight. Yes. We so, are recording, as we're recording it. We are recording this intro Saturday afternoon. Yes. Right before this came out. Uh, and we're going to a Brazilian steakhouse for dinner to finally try the caparina. So. Yes. So next Next week, week, (laughs) we will be able to update you on that. And probably 
it'll probably be like two weeks till the full Chicago update happens because yeah. I don't know that we're recording next week. Right. So it's lot, lots of things. It feels so fun to like mm -hmm. have these trips and these plans with friends and like real life really has resumed as more and more of the world get vaccinated it feels less dangerous to go out and see your friends in public places and go do touristy things in chicago right so i'm excited about all that and uh i'm excited about sri lanka this week yes so enjoy our little trip in our minds to sri lanka <laughs> okay so similar to what you did last week when we were covering brazil I'm going to be talking about a kind of liquor that is native to Sri Lanka. It is coconut arak. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm also going to be talking about the mildly alcoholic drink that it comes from called toddy. So according to Wikipedia, arak is made from the fermented sap of coconut flowers or sugar cane, which eh, we'll get to. Uh, and also with grain or fruit, depending upon the country of origin. It is not to be confused with the anise-flavored distilled spirit called Arak, I think, yeah. which is very similar. That's sounding. actually kind of what I thought it was, because I've had the anise Arak. Yeah. And that's very popular in, like, Middle Eastern countries. I uh -huh. had it in Turkey. Yeah. And so when you said coconut, I was like coconut and black licorice. <laughs> nope, they are two different things. Um, and I do think that I would like the Sri Lankan version more because I'm more into coconut. I am like as well. flavored. Yeah. But like the one, yeah. The anise flavored is one. Is that like almost like, um, why am I blanking on the name of the alcohol? The Green Fairy. Absinthe? Yeah. Not really. It's very much, I forget, there's like a whole tradition to drinking it where, I, I don't know if you like slam it on the table and it goes from a clear to a milky white, mm -hmm. and then you like take a shot of it. Interesting. There's like a color change that happens in like uh -huh. the Turkish version, and so you don't, it's not like a sipping beverage. Yeah. So the anise flavor is like a quick. Okay. But we did it. Actually, for my birthday, I was on a tour group and I uh -huh. in Turkey on my birthday, and that's what the tour guide bought everyone. Nice. Anise Iraq shots. Maybe if we uh, do Turkey as one of our countries, we'll get to talk more about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so back to Iraq, Iraq from Sri Lanka. As I said, you know, Wikipedia kind of says that it can be made with these different things. However, High-quality, real coconut arak from Sri Lanka has only two ingredients, which are sap and water. The sap is specifically the distilled sap of, sap of unopened coconut flowers from the Sri Lankan coconut palms. Um, and in case you are wondering, you know, besides coconut, obviously, what arak is like, I hope I'm saying that right, by the way. I didn't look it up. I just assumed. I it's just a realized. <laughs> um, but Anthony Bourdain described Iraq as a marriage of bourbon and rum, but with a stronger burning kick and a mysterious bouquet. Well, that is not what I was picturing. 
bourbon and rum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and BBC.com wrote that it was best described as a dark coconut rum. Okay. So I think it's mostly like a rum, but there are these, like, almost whiskey aspects Maybe like a it. spiced coconut rum? Yeah. I want to try. I'm not mad at it. I want to try some. Let's be clear. I want to try this. (laughs) Um, So the way that the sap that is used to make a rock is collected is through a method called toddy tapping. So this method has been around for over 2,000 years, um, and the tapping or harvesting, harvesting season takes place from April to December. During this time, toddy tappers, as they're called, will climb coconut palms up to about 50 feet above ground and sometimes as much as 200 feet above ground. Wow. Once they're up in the palms, they move between them on connecting ropes similar to tight ropes where they cut off tips of unopened coconut flowers or collect the sap while they're up there. So obviously toddy tapping can be like really dangerous. Um, And it is a generational craft that's been passed down from father to son. It's not usually something that, like, you just randomly decide to start doing. Um, And a skilled tapper can earn about 120,000 rupees, which at the time of the article that I read was about $470 a month, which is, like, a decent salary, but you have to be, like, skilled, right? Like, you're usually going to earn a little bit less. Um... And this has all led to a decrease in toddy tappers. Um, and according, uh, I should have started this by saying there are a lot of names in here that I really, I tried to look up and hopefully I'm not mispronouncing. But um, Rakti Dirksy, uh, who is the head of conservation at Rockland Distillery in Sri Lanka, uh, says that younger people haven't been as drawn to the job as they used to be. She said, People think it's a job with low status, so the young generation wants to find other jobs. Which is a little sad that, like, people don't want to do this work anymore. Well, yeah, but if there's other options that are less dangerous. Yeah, it is very dangerous, so understandable. Right. So she describes the toddy belt of Sri Lanka um, to be in the region that extends from Chilo to the north to the north, to Matara in the south. Hope I'm saying those right again. Uh, And Rapti says it's where the best toddy comes from. Now, I've been saying both sap and toddy. Um, So to be clear, we start with the sap taken from the coconut palm, uh, which one of the articles I read says is sweet, tangy, and slightly spicy with a strong fragrance of coconut. Um, And this sap, basically begins to ferment like immediately into a mild alcoholic beverage which is then toddy like as soon as it becomes fermented it's now toddy uh and this has like a similar taste to palm wine is what i read okay and the reasons that it begins to ferment so quickly is that the sap has natural sugars and yeast so right away it'll become about four percent abv And the longer it sits out, the more it ferments. So in a few hours after extraction, the alcohol content increases to about 7%. Um, And so toddy tappers will take this toddy, uh, and some of them have agreements with Iraq distillers, while others sell it more informally to buyers. 
Of course, the major distilleries in Sri Lanka, uh, which include DC, DCSL, IDL, Mendes, I think, and Rockland, employ hundreds of tappers of their own. And just a note that together, these four distilleries produce about 60 million liters of Iraq a year. So in order to use the toddy to make Iraq, it's distilled like whiskey or brandy. So it's put into timber vats and then copper stills, where it ends up being about 50 to 60% alcohol uh, in about 24 hours, like very quickly wow. goes up. The alcohol is then watered down to about 40%. That's why it's sap and water. Uh, and it's often left to age in wooden vats for years before it's bottled and sold, which does kind of remind me of like the whiskey process. So that like smokiness from the barrel probably is what flavors and adds to it. Yeah, right. And like why Anthony Bourdain said like it was like a mix of whiskey and rum. So when it comes to the history of how toddy tapping first began, not a lot is known besides the fact that it's been happening for over 2,000 years. Um, according to Parts Unknown, it is one of the oldest distilled spirits in the world, far older even than Scottish whiskey. Uh, they cited a British explorer who in 1859 wrote that there was this exhilarating spirit that visiting Arab traders had drank back in the 5th century. So citing that it had been around since the 5th century at least. Uh, another story says that centuries ago, Toddy was given to elephants in the king's army before battle. <laughs> um, I don't know why they wanted to make their elephants drunk, but this is a side note. When I was writing, when I was looking up a story, I found and sent Laura an article that was about Sri Lanka banning drunk driving of elephants. Yes. And she was like, is this what you're writing your story about? I thought about? that's what you were going to tell your story about. I, I, there, it just wouldn't have been enough for a story. It's actually really good laws. I like I looked it up because I was like, I have to know what this is. And it was like protecting elephants by cutting like their the hours that they can make the elephants work. Like uh, baby elephants can't be used for work and things like that. And one of the things was you cannot drunk drive an elephant because it's not safe for the elephant. Um, so they're good laws, but it was just a catchy, cat like, eye-catching headline. Can you imagine being, like, so drunk and being like, I gotta take my elephant home. Oh <laughs> 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 I'll meet you at the bar. I'm gonna ride my elephant. <laughs> like, that's so, like, such a different world. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yes, that article definitely caught my eye, but back to Iraq. Uh, so another mention of the spirit came from a British sea captain um, named Robert Knox, who spent 19 years in Sri Lanka as a captive, and he wrote that the captives distilled Iraq into, to, to drink themselves in 1698. Um, and soon enough, other people began to take notice of this coconut spirit. So in the mid-1600s, the Dutch began the commercial planting of coconut trees on the west coast of Sri Lanka, and they exported coconut arak to Malaysia and several Indian destinations. Then in 1796, the British took over Sri Lanka's coastal belt and seized control of the arak trade. Um, just white people coming in and doing things, always. <laughs> <laughs> always. It's history. Uh... 
Unfortunately, this does cause production of Iraq to slowly decline. Uh, one of my sources cited a book by a woman named Michelle Gunawardana called The Adventures, The Adventure of Iraq, uh, which gave some of the reasons for this decline. So firstly, importing countries imposed heavy duties. Then the East in British East India Company banned the transport of Iraq and discouraged imports into Britain. In the 1930s, the British made it so that only licensed entities could produce and sell Iraq uh, and would then create the Department of Excise, which apparently still exists, to control the illegal trade and allow only large-scale producers to make Iraq. So all these like small producers or home brewers <laughs> like couldn't make it anymore. Or they tried. Yeah. However, you know, luckily, even though production slowed, we didn't lose this coconut liquor because that would be really sad. It's still produced today. Um, I did briefly mention Rockland Distillers, which I quoted above, um, and they are actually the oldest Iraq producer currently in Sri Lanka. Um, the managing director there, Amal De Silva Wajiratni, I'm sorry again if I'm mispronouncing names, credits his great uncle G.B.M. Pereira with changing the way that Iraq is distilled and blended. Uh, and he did this back in 1924 when he accepted a British government contract to produce Iraq. Uh, and among other innovations, he was able to procure a custom-made still from a French company. And the BBC.com says that this helped transform Iraq from a crude liquor into a smoother and more sophisticated drink. Rockland Distilleries now produces a popular blend of Iraq called Ceylon Iraq, which is a barrel-aged blend of three-year, seven-year, and ten-year aged Iraqs. Um, and it was actually introduced in into the UK in 2002, which Amal claims is the toughest liquor market in the world. And he says that it now sells to more British buyers than in than people in his home market. Like, it wow. became super popular. Um, and it's also sold in Singapore, Germany, and Japan. However, not all Iraq that you find is gonna be the real premium Iraq. So, like I said at the top, with Wikipedia, they also mentioned other versions. Um, and you should be on the lookout if you're buying some. And this came about because in the 60s and 70s, the coconut supply decreased due to droughts and labor shortages. Um, and distilleries wanted, obviously, to continue to make Iraq because it was popular. So they began to produce different blends using less coconut. Uh, these versions were much cheaper and were still labeled Iraq. In fact, some are called extra special Iraq. They're not extra special. They're just not the right drink. <laughs> they're the less special. <laughs> yeah. And they're usually made from molasses, uh, and some versions can contain as little as 3% toddy. So not, not the real thing. Yeah. So, yes, you got to be careful if you're buying it. You don't want to buy the fake stuff. So I wonder if we found, like, a Sri Lankan restaurant in New York, if they would have the real stuff. Mm, I like the way you think. <laughs> um, they actually 
have started to um, export to the U.S. So it's very possible that yeah, if we went to the like that would be the restaurant, the best place. I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's something we need to look up. I agree. <laughs> Um, because luckily Iraq has been having a resurgence. Um, it's becoming very popular with mixologists. And like I said, it's even exporting to the U.S. now. So some of the ways to drink Iraq are to have it neat, to have it on the rocks, to have it with coconut water, and as a stand-in for most whiskey-based cocktails, apparently. Like, instead of using whiskey, you use Iraq. Nice. So... I definitely want to try it. Like, I know. I'm always open to trying. Yeah. I mean, I like coconut, so I know some people aren't fans of coconut, but like I really I do enjoy wonder it. how coconut flavored it is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I don't into know. it. Um, so one of the most popular ways to have it is to mix a rock with ginger beer and a dash of lime. In sure. you're in? I'm in. <laughs> you love ginger beer. I know. <laughs> And that's kind of like a brief overview of the drink. I know it's a little bit of a short one, but um, I, you know, as you said with the with Brazil, I thought it was important to like talk about a popular liquor that's from the country. And I wanted to end with this quote from a mixologist named Danushka Diaz. Uh, hopefully, I said that name correctly. But they said, "quote When someone says Mexico, people think of tequila." I want the world to think of coconut arak when they hear the name Sri Lanka. It's our history and culture blended in one drink. We must celebrate it. I love that. Me too. And that's all I've got. I like it. Yeah, so my sources for the story were uh, bbc.com, an article called How Sri Lanka's Arak Coconut Spirit Went Up Market. And then another article called In Sri Lanka, The Centuries-Old Spirit is Shaking Up the Local Cocktail Scene uh, from Savor.com. Um, and that is by Zanara Rathneke. Rath- Again, I'm sorry. Uh, and lastly, on learning to love Iraq from Anthony, Bourdain, Bourdain, Bourdain's, Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. Okay. In January of 2018, international headlines were made as the finance minister, Mangala Samrawira, made a move to end an oppressive 39-year-old law in Sri Lanka. Any guesses to what this law might be? It is obviously tied to alcohol. Yes. And you have, I think, a slight knowledge of what my story is yeah because we texted yes but those of you at home i want you to guess what you think the law is before vanessa tells us if she knows pause women being allowed to drink alcohol yes or not being allowed to drink alcohol rather was the law yeah that was the the ban um and it happens in 1972 a ban was put in place in the country it actually also goes back to 1955 but it was like redone in 1972 to make it slightly more oppressive and that's the one everyone focuses on i'm honestly surprised that it didn't start till the 50s yeah but this ban um not only 
outlawed women from purchasing alcohol, it also prevented women from being employed in places like bars or restaurants that sold alcohol. Okay. Yes. Now, if a woman did want to work in such a business, basically any part of the hospitality industry in yeah, Sri Lanka. Yeah, I was going to say, like, any restaurant, basically. They were required to obtain a special license through the state government, and it was a whole process. So it kind of, most women just didn't go that route. So uh, they could get this license to work in the restaurant, but they still couldn't drink. Correct. Okay. Uh, and under this new law in 2018 women would no longer require the approval of the state's excess commissioner in order to work or drink in licensed premises it premises <laughs> why can't i say that word premise 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 i don't know i don't know you guys know what we mean multiple premises <laughs> including restaurants premise uh, <laughs> and you know, when I first read this, I was so, like, offended. Yeah. Especially, I guess, you know, just because this is going to release a little bit later in May. Mm -hmm. But we are recording this in April when our country is right now undergoing, like... Yeah. Rights uh, are, um women are being discussed and being potentially taken away. And so I just felt very angry this week. Right. researching this story and this idea that only women were banned from alcohol. Right. And I was like, are you kidding me? However, traditionally speaking, Sri Lanka actually ranks pretty well gender equality-wise in comparison to countries within their region. Okay. Globally, however... Sri Lanka ranks relatively lower when it comes to gender equality measures. So that's why I am so appalled by this right. as an American. But in their part of the world, Sri Lanka actually gives women many more rights than mm -hmm. other countries nearby. Yes. So it, there's a little bit of give and take. And I guess we're going to learn that a lot this season is we have to understand that we're given a lot of rights. Right. And sometimes we're going to cover stories in countries where there is a lot of oppression. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunately how it, it is right now. Yeah. Uh, so everything I'm saying, I guess you have to digest with like a grain of salt and take into context like where in the world we're talking mm -hmm. and what their cultures and beliefs are. Uh, overall, uh, the pattern of social history um, kind of disempowers women in their country. Uh, women are provided only a secondary access to health care and schooling and have far fewer opportunities to take on high-level jobs and training. So being given this ability to have like lower industry hospitality jobs is going to be a big boost for women and their yeah, economy. Yeah, I can imagine. Because more women can go into the workforce and bring extra income into mm -hmm. homes. So it's pretty good for the women of this country. 
Uh, and the other side of the new law is the actual ability for women to legally purchase alcohol. Uh, while this move has been widely welcomed by equal rights groups, obviously there are people that argue that it might lead to more women being addicted to alcohol. Mm-hmm. And this fear comes from the society being largely Buddhist, which that's the religion was, of their country. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, because um, I was like blanking out, I was like, what is the religion that's that's biggest there? So Yeah. yeah. And that, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Okay. Um, and so this law was exciting, but kind of nerve-wracking. And, you know, women across the country weren't necessarily celebrating the way we might assume like women in this country would celebrate after an oppressive law gets lifted mm-hmm. um, or the way we rally in the streets when we think our well, rights yeah. are going to be taken from us. Um, for them, it was kind of like, oh, what is going to happen? How are we going to be treated? Will this change our lives? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what I'm about to tell you, it's, probably good they didn't celebrate in the streets for days because a mere four days later oh no that's right four days after the finance minister put this law into place oh no president (laughs) Mathrapala Sirisena overturned it oh boy Uh, wow Yeah, he said uh, that the move to grant women in Sri Lanka the same rights as men was not how the country was going to move forward, and he did reverse the law, and that is why the headlines went international. So... So they breaks for four days. Yeah, and I'll explain this again at the end, but it happened January... 10th of 2018 and then you know head there were lots of headlines mm-hmm. law banned in Sri or law overturned in Sri Lanka mm-hmm. but the bigger headlines came January 14th of 2018 when the president then said oh just kidding you're still banned from buying alcohol and working yeah, on these. and I guess I don't know much about the politics of Sri Lanka but I'm, I'm guessing the president has the authority he to, does yeah and the president got a lot of guidance from the leading monks in the buddhist majority uh-huh. country who had criticized the decision to lift the ban arguing it would destroy sri lankan family culture by getting more women addicted to alcohol um he said that he had listened to the criticism of the government's finance minister and he ultimately cited that the finance minister had overstepped his rights by overturning the ban and that he was immediately ordering the government to withdraw its notification announcing the lifting of the ban. So it immediately went into effect and then out of effect, which is wild that it happened so quickly. Yeah. And... To be honest, it seems, from everything I read, that most citizens in the country were not that surprised that President Sarasena would overturn it, because he ran on a complete anti-alcohol campaign. Okay. 
so he's anti-alcohol for everyone. Correct. Okay. And had warned in the past that alcohol consumption among Sri Lankan women was already increasing drastically, even with the ban in place. Mm. So by overturning it, he thought women would go wild. But citizens and government officials who we're just going to say are a bit more woke, uh-huh. uh, were <laughs> outraged by the news of the overturned law. Um, and I'm going to read a quote here by the Deputy Minister for the Ministry of National Policies and Economic Affairs. His name is Harsha De Silva, and this is a tweet he put out um, right after this decision was made. He said, I am against the discrimination of women in Sri Lanka. This whole alcohol ban is unfair and against the equality principle. Ban men from alcohol too then. Which I kind of agree. Yeah. If alcohol is that against your religion and is that awful that you believe women can't handle it, why can men handle it? Right. At that point, it's just an equal rights issue. Right? It's not so much the alcohol yeah, it's I'm not, what, like, pro-taking alcohol away from everyone, but, like, yeah. If, I'm pro-equal rights for right, everyone. Right, exactly. So, yeah, if women, if, if it's bad for the religion for women to have it, then it should also be bad, bad for, for the men. men. Like, agreed. Uh, but now I'm going to read the opposite. This is a, a, a person who agrees with the president's decision. Okay. Um, and this is a woman. Her name is Shahara Karay. And she works for the Alcohol and Drug Information Center in Mm. Sri Lanka. So she's quoted as saying, I should mention that there was no single protest or at least a request from any women's movement in Sri Lanka to abolish the law of prohibiting women to buy or sell alcohol over the past 39 years that the law was in effect. To be truthful, Many Sri Lankan women were not aware that buying and selling alcohol is prohibited. As with the traditional value system and culture, women have not assigned any value to alcohol, neither to purchasing it nor to selling it. So her opinion is that alcohol doesn't even really register as something women want. Okay. So it doesn't matter that they can't buy it. It's not a part of their lives. Mm -hmm. So... Who cares? Right. She continues that Sri Lanka is a country that has high respect for women and their rights. When it comes to equal rights for women, the right to buy or sell alcohol should be the same as men in a technical perspective, of course. Mm -hmm. But within the culture, norms, and traditional values of women and communities, women themselves reject alcohol and advocate for their husbands to also live free from alcohol. And that is the general opinion of the majority of women in Sri Lanka. Okay. Um, see, I'm just curious, though. Like, I know that you were saying, you know, like, Buddhism is the main religion religion there. But I'm assuming there are people there that are of other religions. There are. So I, I read this and I was like, okay, so how many... How big is alcohol in the country? What right. are some statistics? So... Yeah. of Sri Lankan women have never used any alcohol 
according to a step survey done in 2015. Wow. Which is not that long ago. Yeah, no, So within the last 10 years, they did a survey, and 95% of women have never had alcohol. So we're, we're fighting or outraged over a ban that affects 4.5% of the right. population. Like most women probably like don't even think twice about it. Yeah. Because it's just not a part of their lives, like she was saying. Right. So it's just a different culture. Mm-hmm. And obviously they have alcohol, they have, you know, drinks. But even when we were researching, you know, people tend to drink. There's, like, one major beer brand I found, Lion Beer. Yeah. And then Coconut Iraq, like you told the story mm-hmm. of. But they're not a big drinking country. Yeah. So I guess it is what it is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I Maybe you're going to answer this, or maybe it, the art of favor didn't say. I don't know. But, like, can women visiting drink alcohol yeah I, so then I started reading a couple other articles and I did actually end up going down a like 10 steps for 10 things you need to know about alcohol in Sri Lanka mm-hmm. and it was mainly written for tourists yeah and so consuming alcohol is not truly prohibited by women mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is it's kind of a symbolic law okay women are not arrested and in many cases if a woman walked into a wine or liquor shop the shopkeeper may sell it to them Mm -hmm. because it happens so rarely yeah and tourists can buy alcohol because Mm -hmm. again they're not going to turn down the tourism money right so it is merely a symbolic law okay which is why i guess the president felt that we didn't need to overturn the ban. Mm -hmm. But then I also feel like, well, why not overturn it if you think the women of your country are not going to start drinking? Right. I I don't... It seems kind of like a a ridiculous ban to have in place. If it's not, like, a real ban. ban. Yeah. Uh, It's noted that alcohol use is only prominent among a niche group of women who belong to the upper middle class and business class of their society. That makes sense. Uh, I feel like business, you know, like being in the business world, you're going to... Client meetings and things like that, yeah. So I wanted to look a little bit into, you know, why religious reasons they, you know, alcohol is not... Right. ...drink. And so Buddhists believe that he who abstains from killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, telling lies, and drinking alcohol or taking intoxicants will receive the reward of a place in heaven after death and then can eventually gain nirvana, which is the ultimate goal Mm -hmm. of being Buddhist. Mm -hmm. So... If you are truly trying to access and gain nirvana and are very strong in that religion, you're not drinking. Right. It's just not a part of your everyday life. Right. So it should apply to men and women. And it does, I think, in the majority of the country apply to men and women who are very religious. Right. And are trying to gain nirvana. Right. Um, 
And then another point about alcohol and religion. Uh, Throughout all of Sri Lanka, the law does ban purchasing alcohol for all genders on strict religious days, which are called Poya days. Mm -hmm. And so these would be like our highest holy holidays. Um, There is no alcohol purchased from anyone. Okay. That. And yeah. just, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So similar to how we have dry days. Right. Like some places don't sell alcohol on Sundays. Right. They have those on their religious. Although it is not prohibited to consume alcohol that you've purchased prior to the Poya days in a private space, um, you just can't buy it on those days. They also have some pretty strict laws about drinking outdoors. You're really if you drink are only supposed to drink inside like your private residence um like no public drinking no park drinking i don't think there are that many bars in sri lanka yeah i mean in my article i did read like a few mixologists from sri lanka um but a they were all men and there were only like really a couple and again there were only four distilleries right like four I, major distilleries so. and i wonder if those might be Sri Lankan people who have westernized or immigrated. Mm-hmm. Or I, there are actually a couple of them were people who worked in like the UK. Right. I just think if you are living in Sri Lanka and following all the religious guidelines, mm-hmm. alcohol is not a, a part of your day to day life. Right. Which, you know, I respect it. That's how you choose to live. I, I, the thing that bugs me the most about this whole story is just the equality issue. If you're going to ban it for women, ban it for men, too. I agree. Yeah. But I was so riled up when I started researching this. And then you started this, to calm down a little and bit. And then I started <laughs> to calm down a little bit. But because I do think it really only affects a very small percentage of people, and I don't think it affects their everyday lives. But uh, I do have some sources. Um, so there's that BBC News article I mentioned January 10th, 2018, Sri Lanka removes ban on sale of alcohol to women. And then, BBC News, January 14th, 2018, Sri Lanka's president rejects move to allow women to buy alcohol. Yeah. So it's like that same thing you were saying. Those headlines were like trigger headlines. Yeah. And then when you get into like the meat of it, you're kind of like, well, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. And then... Um, an article from travelersisle.com, 10 things you need to know about alcohol in Sri Lanka. And then I also did use some Wikipedia for some info about religion and things that I did not know. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I mean, like we were saying, I think it should apply to both genders if it's that important to the religion. But like you said, I'm not as angry as I was when when this first started. Right. Okay, so as we said last week, instead of doing a bar of the week, we are going to be highlighting a cocktail from the country that we're talking about uh, and posting the recipe on our social media for you to try at home. And this week, we are doing a cocktail with Iraq, uh-huh. as we learned all about it. Yeah. And we thought it was fitting, and we are going to highlight the Aliyah or Alia mm-hmm. cocktail, however the pronunciation actually is, which sounds super refreshing for summer. Yes. 
And also the name means elephant, which I like. Oh. It's got to be a very good cocktail. <laughs> very smart cocktail. Elephants are smart, right? That's are the, they? Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> I feel like it just sounded like such an <laughs> Um, But yes, we are posting a version of the recipe that is made with ginger beer, although uh, according to the article that I was looking at, it could be made with coconut water or ginger ale instead of the ginger beer. Uh, so I guess you have a little, you could pick what, you, so what you're into. <laughs> in, in the cocktail, it's the Arak. Uh-huh. And then you kind of pick the mixer, coconut water, ginger beer, ginger ale, mm -hmm. and then like lime juice. And yeah, that's it's it, very right? simple. So it's simple. Again, you might potentially have all those ingredients at home except for the liquor. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you can make your own Aaliyah. Yeah. And let us know if you do and how it tastes. I kind of want to. It I know. It sounds so refreshing. It does sound very refreshing. Like you said, for the summer especially, it sounds like a very refreshing, light cocktail. Yeah. Oh, we really should get better at making cocktails. <laughs> I'm just thinking I know like, we should have made that and had it. I have ginger beer. I have lime. I don't to have buy a rock. rock. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we should, maybe as this season continues, we might get better at trying. Yeah. I don't know that we can afford to buy like a new liquor bottle every week <laughs> to sample. That's true. But um, some of these cocktails, I just, I want to For have. sure. Yeah. So uh, check out the graphic and pictures from this week and just all the fun things. Like we said, there's going to be lots of posting this week about our trip to Chicago and some of the Capone things we get to see live and in person mm -hmm. uh, ever since sharing them with you guys in season two. So if you're not following us on Instagram, please do. Uh, we are at a tap on the wrist. And like we've said, you guys can always email us, send us ideas, uh, let us know what episodes you're into. If you make these cocktails, you can email us at tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.